Let's turn to the scriptures, please. First Peter. First Peter chapter 1. We will lift out two verses. We are on part two of seven reasons why the blood of Jesus is so precious. Seven reasons why the blood of Jesus is so precious. Now, this is part two. If you missed part one, we will not be really referring much to it because we have uh, uh, quite a lot to get through this evening. 1 Peter chapter 1, we're going to read verse 18 and verse 19, please. For as much as you know that you were not redeemed with corruptible things, as silver and gold from your vain conversation received by the tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb without blemish, and without spot. Let us pray. Father, we just ask you now in the worthy name of thy Son that you would, Lord, shut us all in with yourself. And may your Holy Spirit speak to every heart, to the believer to encourage them, to the believer to cause them to think of the great debt that your Son has paid for them at Calvary. And Father, if there's one here who has walked away from Christ, we pray that tonight they would realize the preciousness of the blood of the Lord Jesus and return to him again. And if there be one who is not yet saved, we pray, O God, tonight that they would be born again of your Spirit and yet wash them in the precious blood. May they realize and come to the knowledge of sins being forgiven. So, Father, to that end, we pray that you would speak to every man and to every woman, to all of our hearts, to the glory of thy Son, we ask it, and for his name's sake we pray. Amen. We looked at how the Lord Jesus has bought the most valuable commodity that's on the face of the earth. And that is your soul. For what shall it profit a man if he should gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? So since the world cannot afford to redeem the soul of a man or the soul of a woman, and since they cannot muster the amount needed to pay for our debts, even as we sang, he paid a debt he did not owe. I owed a debt I could not pay. I needed someone to wash my sins away. And since none of us could pay for one another nor ourselves the debt that we owe, it took something, someone greater, bigger, better from outside of us to come in who is God himself in the person of his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, and to shed his blood. And hence in our reading, Peter says, in verse 19, that we are redeemed, notice, with the precious blood of Christ. The precious blood of Christ. Think about it before we go any further. How nothing in this world, in the totality of this world, all of our riches together, the whole riches of the world, cannot buy one soul nor redeem the soul of a man, nor of a woman. And hence, the blood of Christ is more precious than this whole world. Now think about this. The blood of the Lord Jesus Christ is more precious than everything that could be gathered and mustered to be offered in this whole entire world. Blood of our Lord Jesus Christ is more precious than it all together. But it bought you, and the blood bought me. The blood paid your debt, believer, and the blood paid my debt. We are redeemed, not with corruptible things such as silver and gold, neither by the tradition or the conversation and lifestyles of our fathers or of religion 
but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without spot, without blemish and without spot. So take note here, last week we looked at two of the points why the blood of Jesus is so precious. The first point was the blood of Jesus is so precious because it satisfies the wrath of God. The blood of Jesus is so precious because it satisfies the wrath of God. I'll just throw a verse out there and you can look it up when you go home. And it's Romans chapter 5. Verse 9 says, Much more than being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. Being justified now. We're justified right now if you're in Christ, by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we are saved from the wrath of God through the Lord Jesus Christ. So the precious blood of Christ, it's so precious because it satisfies the wrath of God. Secondly, we looked at it last week also, the blood of Jesus is so precious because it declares us not guilty. It declares us not guilty before God. And hence, when a man and a woman are saved and washed in the blood, God declares them not guilty. Whatever your background is, no matter your debt, no matter how far you've went, no matter the depths you've plumbed to, it doesn't matter. The blood of Jesus Christ will declare the man and the woman who are trusting in the blood of Christ, it declares you not guilty. And hence, in Romans chapter 3 and verse 24, it says, being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God hath set forth to be the propitiation or the mercy seat, the propitiation where we find mercy in Christ through faith in his blood to declare his righteousness for the remission of sins that are past through the forbearance of God. And hence, the Lord Jesus Christ, his blood is so precious because it declares us not guilty in the presence of God. Now, we stopped there last week, so moving on to the rest of the points. Point number three, the precious blood of Jesus. The blood of Jesus is so precious because it cleanses us from all our sin. The precious blood of Jesus is so precious because it cleanses us from all of our sin. 1 John chapter 1, verse 7, please, says these words. If you'd like to turn, 1 John chapter 1. Let your eye run down the chapter to verse 7. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, We have fellowship one with another. Underline this. And the blood. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanseth us from all sin. And in case there's someone here who thinks they're not a sinner, the Bible says in the 8th verse of 1 John 1, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. Is there a man or a woman here who says, I have no sin, I'm a good person? A man or a woman who will say, I have no sin, I've done no wrong. It says here, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. So the Bible says, the man or the woman who say they don't sin, they are a liar. And then in verse 9, it says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I note this, friend, brother, sister, take note. The blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, cleanseth us from all sin. Verse 9, if we confess our sin, He is faithful. Not you are faithful or I am faithful. He is faithful and just. He is just. 
to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. See the term here, to cleanse us from all our sin in verse 7. And to cleanse us from all unrighteousness in verse 9. It's the same word in the Greek text. And it's mainly used, not, not totally used and only used. It's mainly used for when the Lord Jesus cleansed the lepers. So when a leper came and says, Lord, would you make me clean? And he cleansed them from their leprosy. And their leprosy completely left them, totally left them. And they were fully whole, made complete from leprosy. This is the same idea that the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ will cleanse us from all of our sin. You know, when you come to Christ, when you come and you plead the merit, the efficacy, the cleansing and atoning power, and the washing of the blood of Christ, every single sin that you've ever committed, every single one that you know of, the ones you don't know of, and the ones you've no idea of, Every one of them are washed in the blood, cleansed as though a leper was cleansed from his disease. Sin is a disease. The greatest threat to man in the year 2020 is not COVID. The greatest disease in the earth today is not COVID. It's the leprosy of sin. It's the leprosy of sin. And the man and the woman who are not saved, the man and the woman who have not come by faith to the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, the man and the woman who have not pleaded for the cleansing of the precious blood of Christ, they're like the leper who's slowly dying, rotting away in their leprosy. Rotten to the core, needing outside interference to come in and to cleanse them from a disease which is impossible to heal. It's called the leprosy of sin. Is there someone here and you're still in your sin tonight? Is there someone here and you're still in your sin tonight? You have, as it were, the leprosy of sin. Do you know when God looks upon us? Do you want me to give you an idea of what he sees when he looks at you and I? If you're not in Christ, that is. Do you want to see what he looks at when he looks down on the United Kingdom and he sees all that's happening and all that's going on? Do you want an idea of what the Lord sees when he looks down and he sees Westminster and all the things that are happening. Do you want an idea of what he looks like when he looks and he sees an apostate church? When he sees a nation that once reverenced him and now who hate him? Here's what he sees. Isaiah chapter 1 and verse 5. Why should ye be stricken anymore? Ye will revolt more and more. Notice the whole head is sick the whole heart faint. From John O'Groats to Land's End, from London to Londonderry, he looks upon us from Dundee to Dublin and he looks upon us and he says, oh, you are a revolt. You're in revolt and rebellion against the word of God. You reject my son. You reject the blood. You reject his sacrifice. You reject him, Britain. You reject him, England, Scotland, Northern Ireland and Wales, the Republic of Ireland. You reject him, the United States of America and Canada and Australia and New Zealand. You're revolting against me, revolting against my word. And you're still in your sin. Do you want to see what he, what he sees? Do you want a vision through the eyes of God? Do you want to see what Christ sees? 
and a nation that hates him? Then let's read verse 6. From the sole of the foot even unto the head, there is no soundness in it, but wounds and bruises and putrefying sores. They have not been closed, neither bound up, neither mollified with ointment. You know what he's saying? You're like a wound. You're like a wound that has not been cleansed. You're like a wound that is lying open and the dirt has come in and infection has come in and that wound has turned corrupt and the very pus is coming from it. He's looking at Israel and he's looking at you and I and he's seeing our nation. He's seeing all of the laws that are passing all the ungodliness in the land and in the nation. He's seen apostate churches all over the land. He's seeing his son being belittled in the streets, in the towns, in the villages, in the cities of our nation. And he says, you're like an open wound. You haven't had it mollified with ointment. Oh God, tell us, how do we mollify our nation with ointment? Preach the word. Preach the gospel. And tell my people to repent. And to be washed in the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Brothers and sisters, the blood of Jesus Christ cleanseth us from all sin. The blood of Jesus Christ cleanseth us from all unrighteousness. In other words, like those 10 lepers who came, 10 lepers who came pleading for mercy, possibly their hands were, their fingers were rotting off. Do you know many of the people with leprosy, it wasn't just their, their digits of their hands, their fingers, their toes or whatever that they fell off. They went numb and the rats would eat them at night. They couldn't even feel it. And the rats are eating at night. The rats of the devil's armies, of the evil spirits, of the wicked ways. The rats of the wicked governmental elitists. They're eating our people up. And the Lord says, repent. Repent. Repent and turn unto me. And I will mollify your wounds and your bruises. No longer will you have putrefying sores. And I will heal you from all your leprosy of sin. Yes, brothers and sisters, the blood of Jesus Christ is so precious because it cleanses us from all of our sins. Are you washed in the blood tonight? Are you trusting in the blood tonight? In the day and hour of this wicked age, oh, you can nearly hear the father tell his son to go get his people, can't you? It's coming to the time and he is at hand. Fourthly, the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us, but it cleanses our conscience. It cleanses our conscience. I love the song of the redeemed in Revelation chapter 1 and verse 7. All those who have been redeemed by the blood, with the him that have loved us and washed us from our sins, how did he do that? In his own blood. In his own blood. See the word uh, wash there, by the way, it's the word leo. And it actually is the word that is used for washing the dead for their burial. Washing the dead it was used for, for the burial. Unto him who hath loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. He washed us like these dead men and dead women. Like Ezekiel 37, a valley full of dry bones. Dead as dead could be. That's who I was and that's who you were. Dead toward God. 
dead in your trespasses and in your sins, but he came and he washed us and he made us alive unto himself. Notice here, the blood of Jesus is so precious because it also cleanses the conscience. It cleanses the conscience. Hebrews chapter 9, please, and verse 14. Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 14. How much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Spirit offered himself without spot to God, purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God? Now, the writer, as we've been on the last couple of Sunday mornings, is making the difference between the blood in the temple and the blood on the cross of our, of our Lord Jesus Christ. And he says here, How much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Spirit offered himself without spot to God, purge your conscience? Purge your conscience. See the word conscience here. It's a word, synodesis. And we all know what we have a conscience, but just let me tell you what it really means here. It's a knowledge to have with oneself. A knowledge to have with one's self. So, for example, oneself can tell you you're wrong or you're right. And oneself can look in the mirror and you know in your own self whether you're saved or whether you're not. Whether you're Christ's or whether you're not. Gives the idea of a sense of guilt whether right or wrong. And notice this. The Bible tells us about our conscience. There's people, and maybe they talk about you. They talk about you. And then when they see you, their conscience speaks to them. And the idea here is that a conscience can be Looked at in two other ways in the scripture. First of all, First Timothy chapter four. First Timothy chapter four. Verse one says, Now the Spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith. We're seeing that. We've seen it from the day of the falling away to Rome. When the believers fell away into paganism, paganized Christianity. Now we're seeing a wave again today when believers are falling away from the faith because things seem hard and difficult for them. Giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. There's enough doctrines of devils going around today to make every devil choke in each other's thoughts. Notice what it says here in verse 2. Speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their conscience seared with a hot iron. I trust tonight I'm not speaking to a man nor speaking to a woman whom God has been speaking to and dealing with for a long time. Awakening you up to the need of the hour, the need of your salvation. And I trust that I'm not speaking to someone whose conscience has been seared with a hot iron. In other words, like a, an iron or a, if you will, you call it the poker put in the fire. Like you'd brand an animal, becoming red hot. It's as though the doctrines of devils, the seducing spirit, push it into your brain. And sears it closed that no thoughts can come in or out, but you're caught 
in the place you're in, with the thoughts you're in, with the rejection of Christ. I hope and pray tonight no one has got to that place having their conscience seared with a hot iron. It means to count a quarter eyes that you'd burn a blood vessel to stop it bleeding. Burned your conscience. Some people, their consciences are so burned, they can talk, they can act, they can do about a brother or sister, and there's no conscience anymore. It runs off their tongue, and they don't feel the conscience anymore. There are those who reject Christ. There are those who turn away from him, and their conscience is seared. Cauterized like a blood vessel, sealed and burned at the very end to stop the flow. Ah, but don't you reject Christ so long that your mind be thus. Notice, secondly, the conscience can be defiled, conscience can be defiled. If you will turn with me, please, to the little book of Titus. Titus chapter 1 and verse 15. Unto the pure all things are pure, but unto them that are defiled and unbelieving there is nothing pure, but even their mind and conscience is defiled. Notice the word defiled is used twice here. On both times, the word defiled is a little word called, word called miano. Miano. Now listen to what this little word means. This is strange. It gives the idea to stain with another color. To stain with another color. Oh, their conscience is so defiled, it's stained with another color. It's not stained with the color of white of righteousness of Christ. It's not stained red with the blood of his cross. But it's stained with another color. Paul says it's defiled. You know if you get Shows you what I do or don't do. It's a red sock, isn't it? In the washing machine. <laughs> isn't that right, love? <laughs> if you get a red sock and throw it in with the whites, I know this from experience, you know. And that sock runs, everything else is stained with another color, isn't it? Maybe pink or whatever color comes out. Little bits of red. Paul is saying there are those who are unbelieving, whose minds are stained. Their conscience is stained with another color. It means to contaminate their minds have been contaminated that they won't and can't believe. And it means they are full of moral defilement. Morally defiled. So the blood of Jesus is so precious because it cleanses our conscience. For the man and for the woman who come to Christ, cleanses your conscience. Listen, brother, listen, sister. When I get saved, I can only speak about, about me. I've had quite a bit in my conscience when I got saved. I had quite a bit in my conscience before I got saved. And when I got saved, I knew that I was washed in the blood. 
And I know his blood cleansed me from all my sin and from all my unrighteousness. I know that. But it took me a while to realize that my conscience was cleansed by the blood. And my past is forgiven. And I will never stand and give answer for it. And so my mind is free from the bondage, free from the captivity, free from the chains of a defiled conscience. My conscience is free to serve the Lord with gladness. Took me a while. Oh, there are those who want to dig your past up and tell the whole world and in sundry, isn't it? They want to tell you, they want to tell everybody about the worst of you. About the worst of you. Years ago, I was in court. It was a procedure that was going on for a while. And I was saved now. Alice and I were married at this time. And I'll not go into the proceedings of it, but for me to be a witness in it, I went down to the Belfast courts in the center of the city, and there I met my solicitor who brought me to a barrister, and we sat out in a hallway before we went into the court. And this man came with a file about this thick under his arm, with his big robes on. He sat me down, with three of us sat down. He went, name, Kenneth Davidson, okay. Date of birth, told him, X, Y, Z. And then it says, national insurance number, and he's looking through it. I says, yes, he says, now when you go in, they're going to bring this up about you. Oh, look at that. They're going to bring that up about you. And about this up about you. Things that were kept on record that my conscience was troubled with for a long time. Medical record was there. The treatment from the doctor was there. They'll bring this up. They'll say that. They're going to try to discredit you. And I said to the barrister, ah, but that's not me. That's not my file. And he looked again and he went through name and address and so on. He says, well, is this not your name and address? Your, num- your national insurance number? Yes, I said it is. He says, well, this is yours. I says, no. I says, I'm saved. I'm a new creature in Christ. The old has passed away. Behold, you have become. All in Christ. Listen, see if you're saved. See if you've been washed in the blood. Do you hear me, Christian? See if you're saved and you're washed in the blood. Don't you let anyone try to dig up that which God has forgiven. Don't let anyone try to dig up that which God has forgiven and throw him behind his back to the depths of the sea. They're doing nothing but the devil's work. Thank the Lord I didn't have to go into court that day. Nor any day since it. The precious blood of Jesus fifthly sanctifies us. Sanctifies you sanctifies me. Hebrews 13 and verse 12, please, if you'll turn, I'll get a drink while you're turning. It says, chapter 13 and verse 12, wherefore Jesus also that he might sanctify the people with his own blood, with his own blood, suffered without the gate. It means he suffered outside the walls of Jerusalem, outside the camp. Notice that he might sanctify the people with his own blood. To sanctify means to set apart for God. To set apart for God. Those who had left the dead works of Judaism to follow Christ and trusting in his own blood They were marked out by men. Ah, they have left us. 
They're marked by the blood. They're marked by the Nazarene. They've left us. They're marked by this Christ. They were also marked out by God. Notice the difference between them was one thing. The precious blood of Christ. Let me show you how the blood sanctifies or sets people apart. Exodus 12 and verse 13. Moses says, take the blood of a lamb, put it in a basin, dip hyssop in it, put it on the doorpost, the door lintels of the house. And the Lord's coming through Egypt this night. And he says, when I see the blood... I will pass over you. Notice Exodus 12, 13. And the blood shall be to you for a token upon the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. Notice the blood is a token. The word token here is the word oath. Oath. That means a signal. The blood was a signal to God. They were his people. The blood was a distinguishing mark upon the people. The blood was like a flag, as it were, a red flag of blood. The blood was a beacon, a proof. The blood was an ensign unto God. We belong to you. We belong to you. Let me give you an example again. Genesis 9 and 12. And God said, this is the token of the covenant which I will make between me and you. He says that to Noah. And what was the token? The rainbow. The rainbow, the bow in the sky, was a sign. The bow in the sky was a beacon, like an ensign. I will not flood the earth. And notice again in Numbers chapter 2 and verse 2. It says, Every man of the children of Israel shall pitch by his own standard with the ensign of their father's house, Far off about the tabernacle of the congregation shall they pitch. Notice, so in the tabernacle sits in the wilderness, and Israel were to, were to camp three tribes of the north, three tribes of the south, three tribes of the east, and three tribes to the west. And each one had to lift up an ensign. The word ensign is an oath. Like the blood was the oath. Like the rainbow was the oath. It was who they were. Separated unto God. This is our house. This is our tribe. And we are his people. It says they were to be far off from the tabernacle. And I've taught on this before. But you see, Joshua was told to stay 2,000 feet away from the Ark of the Covenant. So the Ark of the Covenant was the move. They were to stay 2,000 feet away. It's part of me, it's 2,000 cubits, which is about 3,000 feet. It's about 0.56 of a mile, about a half a mile. So there was the Ark of the Covenant in the tabernacle, and they were a half a mile this way, a half a mile that way, a half a mile that way, and a half a mile that way. And there they put up their ensigns. It was an oath. We are your people. We are Israel. We are the Lord's. The same is with the blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. It sanctifies God's people. And when he sees it, he sees that they're his own. Are you marked and sanctified by the blood of Christ? So the blood of Jesus is so precious because it sanctifies his people sickly and quickly. The blood of Jesus is so precious because it gives us access to God. It gives us access to God. Will you turn with me to the book of Ephesians, please, chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 12. Ephesians 2 and 12, that at that time ye were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel, 
and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. That's who we were. No hope without God in the world. But now, in Christ Jesus, ye who were sometime afar off are made nigh by the blood of Christ. For he is our peace, who hath made both one and hath broken down the middle wall of partition between us having abolished in his flesh the enmity and even the law of commandments contained in ordinances for to make in himself of twain one new man so making peace. The blood of Jesus is so precious because it gives us access to God. We were afar off. Speaks of scattered Israel, afar off. And here it says in the spirit, we were far off too. Far away from God, without Christ, without a hope, heading to a lost eternity. And it was known in Paul's day, in Paul's day, that the rabbis would say, to make nigh, to make nigh meant to make a proselyte of someone who was gentilized. To bring them back, to call them into Judaism. They were proselytes. And the rabbis used this term, and Paul takes it. He says, but you're not called to a temple, and you're not called to a tabernacle, and you're not called to a sacrifice of blood of animals and bulls and goats, and you're not called to anyone else but the Christ. And so you who are far off, you can now come into the presence of God. Imagine you coming into the presence of God. We take it for granted, don't we? I want you to think about this. Imagine me. You can imagine you. I imagine me. I think of me, the chiefest of sinners. I think of me. Imagine me being able to come into the presence of God because the blood of Jesus is so precious. You made nigh. We're made nigh. Strange term this. See this little word nigh, N-I-G-H. It's a word, engus, engus. And it comes from a root word which means to bend, to curve, or to enfold. So, for example, if I bend my arm, this is the end goose. If I bend my arm, this is the end goose of the arm. To be made nigh, the end goose, the bend of the arm. And so this gives the idea that when God brought us into the fold, he bent his arms and he welcomed us in. Sinners are far off away from God. He bent his arms. We're made nigh. We're in the end goose of God. I'm in the Father's arms tonight. What's your confidence in 2022? What are you putting your trust in for your life, for your safety, for your health, for your strength? I know where I am. I'm in the end use, the banded, folded arms of God around me. So I must finish. The precious blood of Jesus is so precious. It gives us peace and reconciliation with God. I remember a lot of years ago, I was, well, I knew a man and he didn't want to know anything about God. He was a friend of mine and he died very young. I don't want to mention his name. 
And I sat at his bedside. And I talked with him day after day after day about the Lord. He's only in his 20s. I talked with him day after day after day about the Lord. And slowly he was dying. He had that leprosy of sin in him. He was dying. And the last I saw him was in the Royal Victoria Hospital in Belfast. And I sat and I'll, I'll use someone else's name. I'll use Isaac. And I said to him, Isaac, not his real name, Isaac, what are you going to do? He says, Ken, the cancer's up my back. It's down through the bones in my legs, they say, and attacking every organ. And I said, Isaac, what are you going to do? Are you going to go into eternity without Christ? I pleaded with him, and I pleaded with him, and I begged him. That's the last I spoke to him. And at his funeral, obviously his mother was absolutely heartbroken, his father. And sitting in the funeral, this minister said, well, I'd say he's made his peace with God. I'd say he's made his peace with God. And all I could think of was, what does that mean? Has he really? I hope he has. Has he really made his peace with God? Said all the time at funerals. Well, they think they made their peace with God. Blah. Nah. The fight butt end of a life. The closing breath to say, Oh, I've made my peace with God. And I've had my relatives like that too. He's made his peace with God. Let me tell you what making peace with God is. Colossians 1 and verse 20. Colossians 1 and verse 20. This is our closing Colossians 1 verse 20, having made peace through the blood of his cross. Having made peace through the blood of his cross. Having made peace through the blood of his cross. It's a man and a woman coming, pleading for mercy, repenting of their sin. I could just try a wee prayer at the end. You're not saved. That's not salvation. Biblical salvation is the word of God entering the heart and changing the man and woman. Don't you think you can fool God? For be not deceived, God is not mocked. God is not mocked. Having made peace through the blood of his cross. I prayed with an old friend. He was a good bit older than me and he was dying the same thing of cancer. And I tried talking to him for my good saved. I used to go out to. I, I lived in his house for a while. It was a DOS house. We lived together in it. Place for alcoholics and all. We all went, we just sat and drank in it and got into all sorts of trouble from it. And I remember I sat with him. I was saved. I knew Christ. I was changed. It was different. And I remember I used to go and speak to him and he wouldn't listen to me. He wanted all the, 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 the dirt of the world. He wanted the leprous disease. And it eventually caught up with him. It eventually got him. And remember... I went to see him in the bed and he didn't want to know. 
And one day I went and his son was there. I didn't want me to speak to him because he was so weak. And his son went out and I walked back in and I sat holding his hand. I'm going to change his name again. I don't want anybody to know his name. I'll call him Simon. I said, Simon, can you hear me? If you can hear me, Christ loves you. Call on him from the very depths of your heart and he will hear you. And repent and ask for the cleansing of the blood. Nothing happened. And I said it again and I said it again and again and over and over. Plead the blood. Plead the blood. And suddenly his hand grabbed my hand. And that's all I have. And that's all I have. How do we make peace with God? Through the blood of his cross. By him to reconcile all things unto himself. Brothers and sisters, that's only seven reasons why the blood of Jesus is so precious. Honey, you sticking pins in that child? What are you doing? <laughs> Bless you. It's hard, isn't it? It's difficult, I know. It's, it's hard, it's difficult. I remember when ours were young and Jody was in Alison's arms, we were sitting there. If the child went to cry, she stuck the child up her armpit. <laughs> and sometimes the child stopped kicking, you know, and I was going, she can't breathe. She says, of course I can't, I'm like this. <laughs> uh, uh, I'll never forget that. <laughs> so, Alison, you're, you're... Aye. The blood of Jesus is so precious. And yet men and women think they'll go to heaven. They'll be accepted in just because they think they're good enough. And God bless you tonight. If you're not saved tonight, understand the precious blood that was shed that you might be saved and forgiven. And understand that this is the only thing the Father will accept. The blood of His Son. He's looking for it that it's marked you out. And if you're not marked out by the blood, you will not be in His heaven, but you will be judged guilty as charged and sent to the lake of fire. And we love you enough in this house to tell you the truth. May God bless His word tonight.